Romans chapter 3. We're going to jump right into reading this passage. And uh, if you'll remember, we talked a little bit uh, last week, we kind of bounced around through this passage, but we've talked so much about the bad news of our sin and how deplorable it is and how terrible we are and uh, how our sin separates us from God and how every one of us is, is a sinner. None of us are good. No, not one. All right? Well, look at verse 21 with me. The Bible says this. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested or revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness." that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works. Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Let's have a quick word of prayer and we'll jump right into this passage. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all you've done for us. Father, help us to divide your word uh, rightly. And Father, help us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. Help us to study your word tonight and help us to understand it and how wonderful you are, how great, how powerful you are, how amazing. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for all you do, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we finished um, kind of bouncing around, but we kind of finished last week with verse 23, and the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Again, Paul's throwing in that sin factor, okay? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We talked a little bit last week how sin keeps us on a level playing field, right? But also how faith keeps us on a level playing field. Sometimes we, like, if I could work my way, then I might be able to do more than you can And so it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Sin is a level playing field, but also faith is a level playing field. It takes no special skills to have faith in Jesus Christ for the righteousness of God to be placed on us. I want to focus tonight on verse 24. The Bible says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So tonight, I want to start out with just these two words, all right? Being justified. Being justified. I want you to actually jump down to verse, uh, verse 26. He also brings in another part of this. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. Again, that's God's righteousness. That He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. These two verses playing together are going to help us extremely, uh, help us to understand this extremely well. Righteousness has been given to us. Notice again, if you jump back up to verse 22, even the righteousness, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God. 
This is God's righteousness. Righteousness has been given to us. So what does that mean? If righteousness is given to us, then what happens? That means we are justified. That's exactly what that means. In fact, justified is the verb form of the noun righteous. Okay, think about that again. I know. Hang on. Justified is the verb, the action, the verb form of the noun righteous. So, if you will, we were not justified, we were righteousnessed. We weren't justified, we were righteousness. We were given righteousness. It's often been, we had, we had the righteousness of God given to us, which means we are now justified. Sin was ever present in each of us, in every one of us. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot make it on our own. But the righteousness of God has been given to us. So if the righteousness of God has been given to us, verse 24 then, we are justified. It has been often said that justified means just as if I'd never sinned. God views us as sinful human beings, but when the righteousness of God has been given to us or we have been justified, it is just as if I'd never sinned. The only way that that can happen is through the righteousness of God being placed on us. It cannot be done any other way. It's only through the righteousness of God being placed upon us. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 9. I love this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 9. The Bible says this Know ye not that the unrighteous, notice this, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Note that. Note that very much, okay? The unrighteous, anybody who's done unrighteousness, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Absolutely impossible, can't happen. The Bible says it, that settles it. But continue. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So he doesn't just stop at any little unrighteousness, right? He gets very specific with us. Gets very specific and deals with all of these things and says, none of these people shall inherit the kingdom of God. Nobody can get to heaven but in, in any of these things, whether you're a thief, covetous, drunkards, none of you can inherit the kingdom of God. I love verse 11. And such were some of you. Okay, look, you have, to, you have to think of Paul speaking to the Corinthians, right? Carnal church, carnal city, worldly, wicked city, and all of these things that he lists. And he says, such were some of you. Put yourself in that position. Put yourself with Paul talking to the Corinthian church. You know who you were. You know what sins you were involved in. And Paul says, such were some of you. Why does he use it in the past tense? He says, such were. Were is a past tense verb. You, you used to be that. Why does he use it in the past tense? Well, look. But ye are what? Washed. Ye are sanctified. Here it is. But ye are justified. How? 
how in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So you used to have this big long laundry list of things that you had done and that you were doing. This, this described you, but then the blood of Jesus Christ shows up and now such were some of you all of those are washed away and now only jesus is seen we are justified in the name of our lord jesus just as if we had never sinned so being justified is an extremely wonderful thing if you've been justified here the bible tells us that we have had the righteousness of god placed upon us it is not our own righteousness it was the righteousness of God. But I want you to notice this next word, a very important word here, freely. Oh, I think this is my favorite word. I don't know, I probably say that 12 or 13 times in this whole message. I love this word, freely. Freely. Strong's Dictionary defines freely. Listen to this, don't miss this. Without a cause. Without a cause. For not in vain. So again, being justified freely without a cause. Being justified for nothing. Being justified in our vanity. Hold on, we can't miss this. We did nothing to deserve it. Let me say that again. We did nothing to deserve the justification. We did nothing to deserve the justification. Here's what we do, right? Somebody blames us for something. What do we try to do? We try to justify ourselves. Hey, hold on. I did that because I, I, I meant this. Here were my motives. And we begin to try to justify ourselves. But listen, this freely was done of nothing of our own accord. We did nothing to deserve it. There was no cause for us to be justified. Don't miss this. There was no cause for us to be justified. We, we were nothing. We did nothing good. We were completely and utterly empty. There was nothing that we had to offer. We did no work to get it. We did not receive this as wages. Just wages, right? No, no, we did not receive this as wages. The only wages that we deserved was death. But Jesus gave us a free gift. Notice this. For the wages of sin is death. But notice, the gift. The gift of God is what? Is eternal life through who? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. It has been given. The wages of sin is death. We know that. We deserve to die and go to hell. That's what we have earned is death. But there's a gift. A free gift. Something that you did not have to work for. Something that you didn't have to do anything to get. It is a free gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 God has given us a gift. Ephesians 2 in verse 8 For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Nothing you can do. Justified freely. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You absolutely cannot do anything to gain salvation. You are justified freely. Freely without a cause. Nothing you did. Listen, I don't care how many sacraments you tried to do. Won't make it. 
I don't care how many old ladies you helped across the street as a young boy. Won't do it. You can't do it on your own without a cause. Without a cause. Being justified freely by His grace. This is so important. So much as you think that you are something special and you deserve to be justified, this one word tears down that entire thought process. If you meet anybody who, find, who says, I can work my way to heaven, you can take them to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, or you can just take them to this one word, freely, without a cause. You didn't deserve it. It was free of charge. Nothing. We are justified freely. How else are we, how are we justified? Notice this, by his grace. By his grace. This is one of my favorite topics in the Bible. Grace, because the Lord knows I'm in great need of it. Grace. I am by no means an expert, but I just love the thought of grace. Grace is commonly defined as unmerited favor, which takes us again, I'm going to draw a lot of arrows today, takes us right back to freely, unmerited, without a cause, I had no, nothing in myself to gain this grace, but it is by the grace of God that I am justified. I need to draw another arrow. we got arrows going everywhere today. Hopefully you, you can uh, not have a seizure from all of this, all right? So it's favor that we did not earn. Don't forget that. It is favor that we did not earn. Favor that had no cause for it. It's simply the grace of God. Grace of God. Grace is freely bestowed upon us. Grace is freely bestowed upon us. It is given to anyone who wants it. It is freely given to anyone who would receive it. We'll get into pictures of how this works all across the Bible. But Noah is an excellent example of the grace of God. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 6. Noah is an excellent example of the grace of God. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. Actually, we'll start in verse 1, just to give ourselves some context. Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says this, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be in a hundred and twenty years, when God brought it down. The people were living seven hundred years. Verse 4, There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Verse 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now I want you to compare this to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, and the first part of Romans chapter 3. Just wicked, vile, always evil continually, verse 6. And it repented the Lord 
that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. They were so wicked that he thought, what have I done? Oh, this is disgusting. This is terrible. This is awful. I wish I wouldn't have even made these people. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. All right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy them all. I love verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. All the wickedness going on in the world. God's getting ready to destroy everything. And he finds this one man. And God shows him, notice, unmerited favor. But I want you to notice verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a, watch this, a just man. And perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Noah is an excellent example of grace. Noah was a just man. He was living his life walking with God. So God is going to destroy the earth. He's going to completely and utterly decimate the earth with a flood. But Noah, because of his relationship with God, finds grace. Now, Calvinism wants to tell you that God's grace was forced on Noah. Calvinism wants to tell you that, that God forced his grace on Noah. Noah, this is, you are the one who has to take my grace. God gave Noah an option. Noah, I want you to build an ark. I'm going to destroy the world. I want you to build an ark. He gave him an option. But Calvinists would say he had no choice. He had to build the ark. He was forced to build the ark. So I want you to understand, Noah finds grace. And I'm bringing up this, this important thing because Calvinism wants to misrepresent the grace of God. Let me say that again. Calvinism wants to misrepresent the grace of God. In fact, they like to call their five points of Calvinism the doctrines of grace. The doctrines of grace. It's all about grace to them. Their point in the, it's the fourth point actually, they, they describe it as irresistible grace. I want you just to think about that term. Irresistible grace. One, one person said, irresistible grace is an oxymoron. Let me, let me explain. This is to quote Calvinism. Okay? Calvinism teaches that those whom God has predestinated before the foundation of the world unto salvation in Christ will be drawn effectually and irresistibly by God's grace. Okay, so people who are going to get saved... They are drawn completely 
and irresistibly by God's grace. They can try to resist, they can push it away, but they can never, ever completely fulfill it. They can never completely push it all the way away. For lack of a better word or phrase, no one can resist God's grace. It will be forced on them. This is the complete antithesis of the word grace. Let's take grace, okay? And I'm going to shove it down your throat. That's not grace. That's not grace. Forcing some grace upon someone. Force, saying, Noah, I'm going to force my grace on you. Noah was not, didn't have grace forced upon him. Notice verse 9. He was a just man perfect in his generations, and walked with God. Noah walked with God. So why do you think he found grace? Why do you think God said, hey, Noah, you're doing the right thing. I'm going to be gracious to you. Not because he forced it upon him, but because Noah was living the right life. Grace is never forced on someone. Grace is never forced on someone. It is offered to them. Consider Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Give me just a second to get there. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says this. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to what? All men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It has been offered to all men. Everybody has access to this grace. I want you to listen to a well known Calvinist. His name is Dr. Stephen Lawson. Listen to what he says. Maybe you can see this. He says this, to teach that Christ made a universal atonement, making salvation possible for all. I don't understand this parenthetical thought, though, actually for none. It cheapens the grace of God. If you make salvation for everybody, it cheapens the grace of God. Really, to believe in a resistible call that allows for the free will of man comprises the grace of God. Wow. Huge statement. He's basically saying, listen, if you believe that you can resist the grace of God, then God's grace is not powerful enough to save you. If you believe that salvation is for all, that cheapens the grace of God. Listen, God's grace is for everyone. It doesn't cheapen God's grace, it enriches it. Listen, that he would look down on this dirty, rotten sinner and say, listen, my grace is for all. My grace is for you. And listen, people every single day resist the grace of God. Resist it. They push it aside. Grace is offered, not forced. 
Grace is offered, not forced. Grace is a gift that can be received. It's not forced upon you. Calvinists want to teach you because God chooses a certain amount of people. That those people are going to be saved. So if I gave the illustration of the thieves on the cross. One person rejected Jesus and the other person accepted Jesus. Calvinists would say, well, that both of, the one that accepted was elected to go to heaven and the other one was elected to go to hell. Of course, they would never say that out loud. They were elected to go to hell. And so we have to ask the question, was God's grace offered to both of them? The Calvinists are saying no. But absolutely, God's grace was, Jesus died for all. For all. Notice, uh, let's go back to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jump up to verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference. So all have sinned, and there's an opportunity for all to believe. All have sinned, there's an opportunity for all to believe. We have to be very careful as we study this grace that we realize that it is not forced upon anybody. It is freely, notice, freely offered. If we believe this Calvinistic uh, mentality that grace is irresistible, then we have to ask, what did you do that makes you better than me? Why did God choose you and not me? The reality is sin makes a level playing field. Faith makes a level playing field for all to receive the grace of God. Being justified freely by His grace it's not my intention to spend all kinds of time here. But I could and I want to. But I believe it's important to once again understand the grace of God. Because we are justified freely by His grace. Without the grace of God, notice, we are never justified. Without the grace of God, we are never justified freely. We never have the righteousness of God placed upon us. So we need the grace of God. This is why this is so important. We need the unmerited favor of God. And it's His grace. He's the one who holds the cards. All right? Let's continue. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption. Through the redemption. Here's another word I love. I love the word redemption. Why? Because redemption paints such a beautiful picture. Redemption is one of the most beautifully painted pictures in all the Bible. I be, uh, the, word picture, uh, the word picture being painted here is paying a ransom in full. Paying a ransom in full through the redemption. Redemption means that your ransom has been paid in full. So let's go over to 1 Timothy First Timothy chapter 2. 
in verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 4. The Bible says this, talking about uh, our Savior, verse 3, who will have all men to be saved. Interesting. Right? That goes right back to the Calvinistic mentality. They're not chosen ones. God wants all men to be saved. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So Jesus Christ, we, needed a, we had a ransom on us, right? So a debt needed to be paid. And guess what? Jesus was our ransom. Jesus became a ransom for us who gave himself a ransom for all. Jesus, if you will, was the substitutionary ransom. The Bible tells us that when he died on the cross, he spent three days and three nights in hell, in the belly of the earth. Just as Jonah would spend three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, Jesus would spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, and guess what would happen? Up from the grave he would arise, having victory over death, hell, and the grave. So listen, he was the substitutionary atonement. And no doubt Satan's down there going, yes, I got the real one, the one who I really wanted. And then three days later he goes, "Uh uh-oh. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him and surely Satan could not bind him. And so we no longer, we have redemption. He is the ransom. He paid the debt in full. I love this word. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just a ransom being paid in full. It's not just paying a debt and then walking away. I love it. Redemption also further implies paying the debt and joining the family. Paying the debt and joining the family. The book of Ruth is the most wonderful picture of redemption. It's a powerful picture of redemption. Ruth is an outcast, a Moabite. Moab was actually a son of Lot, which was the nephew of Abraham. And so, kind of somewhat related to Boaz. So she's the outcast. Moab, they're, they're, they're illegitimate children. They're out here. We don't want to have anything to do with them. But she's redeemed by Boaz redeemed. He pays the debt. He, he takes that old shoe. and He says, I'll take, I'll take it up. I'll redeem Ruth and Naomi. And Ruth not only becomes free, but she becomes a part of Boaz's family. And eventually, the mother of Jesse, who was the father of David, who we know the kingly line all the way to Jesus. Wow. (laughs) That's redemption. John chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Listen, Jesus didn't just pay our debt. He welcomed us into the family. Come on, you're a son of God now. You are here. You are mine. You are a child of God. This is redemption at its finest. 
keep hitting the wrong button here. We just read this one, as many as received him, but I want you to notice Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Redeemed. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Listen, we have redemption. And so we are justified freely by his grace. How? Through the redemption, but it doesn't stop there. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So listen, I'm always baffled, and maybe I'm just blessed that I never had to go through anything else. But I'm always baffled by how many ways people think there are to be redeemed. If I do enough works, if I pay enough money, my family will be redeemed. They'll, they'll get out of purgatory. Man, if I do enough and, and live well enough and do enough works and, and follow the Quran long enough and do all these things, then I'll make it. Buddhism and, oh my goodness, Hinduism and all kinds of isms out there. And listen, Jesus says, listen, the only way you're justified is by my righteousness, freely given by my grace through the redemption that is only in my Son, Jesus Christ. God did it all. There is nothing that we can do. It is freely given. There is no other redemption. No other redemption for us. Jesus Christ is the only way. I am the way, Jesus says, the truth and the life. There is no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way. Redemption is only found in Christ Jesus. I've spent the entire time on this verse. But listen, such a powerful verse. I, I don't know, maybe this is a powerful verse. I'm not going to say there is no better verse. But this is a powerful verse on the full scale of salvation by grace through faith. If you have somebody that says, listen, I need to work my way to heaven, take them to this verse. If you have somebody that says, I have my own way, take them to this verse. It is only through Christ Jesus. No one else. I'm so encouraged tonight by what a Savior we have. I want to read verse 26 to you again of Romans chapter 3. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Pulls no punches. Black and white. The only way to get to heaven is being justified freely, without cause, by His grace, through the redemption, beautiful picture, in Christ Jesus. The only way that we can be redeemed to God is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Mary can't get us there. Strapping a bomb onto our chest can't get us there. Working hard cannot get us there. Listen, there is only one way, and that is in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful Savior we have. We don't deserve it. 
But He justifies us. And He redeemed us. The Bible tells us that He's a perfect lamb without blemish and without spot. He is the perfect sacrifice for our sin. I love the song, He paid a debt He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. And now I sing a brand new song. Guess what it is? Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Listen, I don't know where you are in your spiritual life tonight or on your journey with God, but can I encourage you, there is no other way to get to heaven. There is no other way to get to God but through Jesus Christ. If this verse If this verse does not exist, listen, we are paying for our own sins. And the Bible says that we are all sinners and we deserve to die and go to hell. If this verse does not exist, we cannot pay for them but by going to hell. God can't have sin in his presence. A holy, righteous God cannot have sin in his presence. And so therefore, if this verse does not exist... We go to hell. Every single one of us. We have, the Bible says that we have a place in the lake of fire. It's got our name on it, if you will. I was actually thought about this in discussion this week. Man, my name, my name has a spot in hell. Why? Because of my sin. But guess what? The blood of Jesus Christ came and I, by faith, through the grace of God, accepted his free gift. And my name got transferred from there to the book of life. I don't have a place in hell anymore because of this verse. I'm justified by, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't know where you are tonight. I don't even know if you're excited about this, but I hope you are because it's nothing that we can do. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Let's thank him for that tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this time that we could spend together. Father, I'm so thankful for your word. Just one simple verse with such profound, profound truth. Father, I pray that you would forgive me for probably not giving it the way that you intended it, but Father, this is such a wonderful passage. Father, if there's one here that listens to this or sits here tonight that doesn't know you as personal Savior, Father, I pray that tonight would be that night that they accept Jesus Christ. They realize it cannot be done on our own, but it can only be done through the power and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you so much for your grace bestowed, freely given. Thank you so much that I as a child had childlike faith to put my trust in you. Father, I'm so grateful. So grateful for people talked about you in my home who took me to church. For faithful grandparents who were faithful to the word of God. Father, told me 
that I needed you. Showed me how I could accept you. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done for us. We love you. We're so grateful for all you do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.